Hey guys, Josh here. Today is part one of my conversation with DIY musician podcast co-host and founder, Kevin Bruner. He's got a wealth of knowledge about podcasting. He's an incredible musician and an all-around pretty much top bloke. So I won't hold you up anymore now. Remember, this is part one. In part two of our conversation, we talk all about the connection of a podcast and a conference. It's interesting how integral the podcast is to the conference. So that's in part two. But today we hear about how Kevin got into podcasting and just how such an incredible and influential podcast got started. Okay, guys, I won't be back at the end. So yeah, enjoy today's episode. Cheers. You're listening to Dead Set Podcasting with your host, Josh Liston. This is a show dedicated to podcasting in Australia, New Zealand and Southeast Asia. Follow along with today's episode over at deadsetpodcasting.com. Okay, here we go. Hey guys, so I'm lucky enough to be joined by musician, songwriter and the founding co-host of the CD Baby DIY Musician Podcast, Kevin Bruner. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So Kevin might not realise this because not many people do because I don't think I've ever spoken about this publicly. In 10 years of making podcasts, the very first show that I ever subscribed to and listened to regularly was the DIY Musician Podcast. So it's the show I've listened to the longest. Wow, that's that's wow. So that's I think I first heard the show when you interviewed Martin Atkins for Tour Smart, okay. and I was googling Tour Smart, and it was the first thing that came up. And not only was he a revelation because he's hilarious and so knowledgeable and just really brutally truthful. I don't think I'd heard anyone talk quite that way before. Your show was just, even at that point, had such a great flow that I just kind of, even though I've stopped actively playing music, I haven't stopped listening. I feel It almost feels like a connection to the, you yeah. know, to the music scene, even though I'm not playing all that much. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I appreciate you being around with us for so long. And glad it inspired you to get into podcast, <laughs> at least a good podcast, I guess. <laughs> well, it kind of did. But it was more shows that I discovered after your show that I thought were lacking things. Because my first show was like an Australian perspective on some of the same kinds of stuff. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of these guys that are talking about the music industry, not your show, but some of the others, I don't think they've ever written a song. And I I don't think they've ever been rejected by an audience or turned up somewhere and there's three people and they all work in the bar and they don't like you. Like I don't think they've actually experienced that. (laughs) They haven't. And, uh, you know, that's... That's one of the reasons why, well, I started the podcast for a different reason, but as time went on, that was one of the things that really inspired me to really keep at it and expand our content and our blog and our, you know, we have a DIY musician blog and we started a conference just because so many of the people that were out there speaking to musicians don't know what it's like. And that doesn't mean they can't have some good advice, but all those things that you mentioned are very critical to the life of a musician and understanding what they go through. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I don't want to go on an early tangent, but that's kind of how my shows work, Kevin. So just <laughs> follow my curiosities. I always found it funny back probably around 2013, 14, 15 ish now, which doesn't seem like that long ago, but it actually kind of is. There was a lot of just produce, produce, produce content. And if you're having trouble or you're facing a creative block, just do more and write more, which sounds good in theory. That sounds like the way to push through things. But if you've just had some crushing failure, 
because some part of you as an artist is suffering at the time, it's pretty hard just to, you know, muster the energy just to keep producing stuff. And that was where the real disconnect with those types of people happened for me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or if the fact that you have great music, that everything should come easy and that fans mm. will come. Like sometimes you can have amazing music and for whatever reason, it's just not working. And it's like it, the music may, may later at some other time connect and explode. But that's the thing with art. It's very unpredictable and it's not... As I said in my keynote address at our DIY Musician Conference that just happened last month in Austin, in, I said, uh, we're not widget makers. <laughs> no. And so there's, there's magic to it. And, the, and sometimes it's, it works and sometimes it doesn't. And it may not be because of the music. Time and <laughs> place are all impact what, yeah. how people perceive what you're doing. Correct, and we're not here today for the people listening to bash gurus from 10 years ago, but it seems like we're just going to go on that tangent for a little bit. (laughs) It's funny you say, I've I've always seen podcasting a little bit the same because when when I was listening to your show, there was always also in the space, there was a lot of very cookie-cutter business shows that occasionally would have on people from the music industry, and I could always hear the disconnect between the mindsets of an artist and the pure business people. It was very self-evident in those kinds of shows. So, Exactly. So you're 300 episodes in now, and that might not sound like a lot of episodes for people just hearing about the DIY Musician podcast for the first time, considering you've been around for 15 years. But there's been multiple versions of the frequency of the show, as in release, how often you were releasing from infrequent to weekly, then different schedules, You've had different formats, which is what I'd like to talk about next, how you kind of progress through that. But you did a great synopsis in the 300th episode of the progression of just the podcast itself. So my goal today is to stay away from some of the stuff you've already talked about and maybe dig into a few other things. Sure. So can we talk about some of the formats that the show has had up until the current format, which you've been with for quite a while? It's probably honestly my favorite of all of the formats. And some of the challenges of each that you've gone through. Yeah. So the initial format I thought would be, you know, it started because of my job at the time at CD Baby is I'd be talking to artists all day on the phone. And at that time, getting your music out to the world, uh, online music distribution was still a really new concept, even though we'd been doing it for a handful of years already. So I'd get, I'd be on a call with an artist to be like, hey, how do I get signed to a label? I'm like, you don't need a label. What you need to do is, you need to get music out there and build an audience because a label's not going to do anything for you before then. Then I'd be on the phone with another artist being like, I'm using this new platform called YouTube and I don't even need to tour anymore. I've just built this audience building videos. And I'd be like, tell me everything about it. So we really started the format based on like, I, w- I wanted to record. Ha- I was like, I wish all these conversations could be recorded and people could listen. I was already a podcast junkie at the time. And at that time, a lot of podcasts were very lo-fi. And if you actually started producing it more like a radio show, people would give you negative feedback, (laughs) which is funny to see how podcasting has progressed. Mm. But so we started with a format of, okay, we'll do an interview segment and then we'll have a roundtable discussion about that interview. And so the interviews were me and it was kind of my idea, you know, to do this podcast, but I wanted some other people involved to just provide other perspectives And so that's how we started with the format of there'd be an interview, usually an artist or an industry professional that had advice to help independent artists move their career forward. That was one thing I was very intentional with. 
it wasn't going to be a music business podcast in that we get some head of Sony to blab about Sony records. We wanted it to be very relevant and actionable advice for independent artists. And then, you know, that roundtable episode where there was myself and two other people at, at various times. At one time, I think we had four. And so we'd flip-flop. And that format went for a while. What made us change after that, we started going like, okay, well, this is hard. Sometimes we don't have a guest or sometimes the folks I need to do the round table with aren't available, mm. whether vacation or whatever. So we started trying to combine those and we went through various things. And then we got to a point where I'm like, sometimes I just felt like there wasn't anybody to interview that was interesting to me. <laughs> You'd go through periods of, of, of time where it's like lots of changes happen in the industry, lots of new interesting companies are popping up, which I feel like we've gone through in the last couple of years. But then you'd get you'd get periods of time where you feel like there's a dry spell. There's not a lot of change. So there's not a lot of interesting things as it relates to independent artists. And so that's where we started to morph and land at the format we're at, where I'm like, I want it to be where we can be as consistent as possible and not rely on guests and our inspiration around what we're, stories we're hearing from other people, but be able to drive it more and then when we have guests fit that in. And so now the format is typically topic driven, which it was, it's always been topic driven, but now it's topic driven in a sense where myself and Chris Robley, the other co-host, we've we sort of built this good chemistry over the years and built this format that is accommodating of all those aspects that we want. And over time, we also incorporated listener calls and feedback and made that a segment. And so we ultimately were trying to get to what felt more like a more sustainable model that wasn't reliant on whether or not we could get an artist to come on the show and talk about their success. Because also the main thing is we're a, a, a musician podcast, but we don't we don't get artists on the show to talk about their music as much as how they're building fans, promoting themselves and growing their business. They can talk about some of the music stuff, but the, our audience are, uh, of our podcast is not music fans. It is artists that are trying to understand how to make their way in the marketplace. This episode was edited by Dead Set Podcasting. If you want your podcast to sound this good, check out deadsetpodcasting.com forward slash services. Get the sound you're chasing. Our audience are, uh, of our podcast is not music fans. It is artists that are trying to understand how to make their way in the marketplace. Yeah, and there's a couple of things in there. Firstly, maybe one that's not, not so serious is the fact that I know you still get pitched a lot to have artists on there by people that don't take the time to listen to the show. We all get that, but you guys would obviously get it at a much higher level. That's just ludic ludicrous that that's still happening. Even though yes. I think in every episode... You do say at some point, we don't have artists on. <laughs> like, it's even yeah. in there if they bothered listening to one episode. <laughs> Which Yeah, I mean, we when people pitch me, it's like, we really, this artist has a new album out. I'm like, that's not our show. And it always frustrates me when I see that coming from PR people, which I do get that from. Yeah. And I'm like, that's just a PR person wasting that artist's money <laughs> because yeah. there was zero chance that it would ever happen. I mean, they might as well be reaching out to a home improvement show because it's not the show that's geared at featuring mm. music. We feature artist stories 
and how they're building businesses, how they're building audiences and and cool things that they're doing to reach fans. Yeah. So you mentioned in there the chemistry that you and Chris have, and that's taken – it was probably there from day one, but I think in the new format it's maybe more self-evident because the show feels more consistent in tone. Yeah. More often it's you kind of reliably know – that even if there's a few little things that are different, maybe there's an interview and then there's not, or, you know, the topic may vary from something about technology through to something serious like a crowdfunding platform collapsing, all those sorts of things. The actual tone between the two of you and the, the chemistry is there. Was that something that took a lot of work maybe to get right? Would you say that you guys are the same off the mic with each other as you are on the mic? Is that chemistry the same? Yeah, it, it, it is. I mean, uh, at this point, you know, I, I love Chris like a brother at day one at CD baby. I sat next to him. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I've been, he's worked there. He's just passed his 17 year mark. I'm about to hit the 17 year mark soon. Wow. Yeah. So we've known each other forever, but early on when starting the podcast and, and when I wanted to bring other people in, it's like I had, I had been, my band, I went to college in Nashville for music and music business. And my, I started playing with a band right after college that got signed. So I had that bigger music industry experience. We were nominated for Grammy, sold lots of records. But what I didn't have that I felt was missing for the podcast was that, that person that's really making things happen in the local scene and getting things going. So I wanted Chris on the podcast being like, he's the indie artist, like, in Portland, a lot of people knew who he was. He had a lot of cool things going. He had that perspective. I had the bigger industry perspective as an artist and and the frustrations of being on a label and all that. And so that's why I really wanted him on the show. And over time, it did, you know, we've kind of figured out our chemistry where he sort of plays the curmudgeon a lot of times. Yeah. And dark, I mean, dark Chris, I think he gets called a lot. <laughs> and he'll he'll go on some rants and we but at the same time, you know, we kind of know each other's role for the show, and I think it really works. And it's one of those things that over time we've talked about and figured out how it works. I think that's what's important if you are doing a podcast, that you constantly are doing that assessment. Because it wasn't just all this change of format over time wasn't just because, you know, somebody left the company and I couldn't use them on the podcast anymore like, cause we used to have another Chris on the podcast who went by the bolt because it was too confusing to have two Chris's on an audio podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, so we just, over time, it was kind of like that assessment. How do we keep it sustainable? What, what's working like the episodes that we were getting good response from. And over time, it was really one the ones where our personalities really were shining and understanding the, how to construct the show in a way that enhances that it's funny because now when we go to like music events or especially where artists are and especially our conference which we just had it's almost like we're very very minor celebrities it's funny because mm -hmm. all these people come up feeling like they know us because you know they're listening to us while they're exercising or while they're just hang you know uh in their car driving to work and you know i i'm a podcast avid listener as well still so i know that experience with some of the podcasts i listen to mm. it feels like you're in the room with them it's them and you and so you feel this connection to them in an interesting way and so we really kind of leaned into that personality and, and we get the most feedback about now just about 
people love the show because they love how we interact and the content is good. They like the content, but that idea of how we interact with each other being so important. Yeah, that's great. You actually covered off on a couple of things I was going to bring up later, which I might go still into a bit more deeply about the conference and the connection you have with people. But one thing I've noticed is over time, when there was more people on the show and the format was a little bit more segmented, Mm -hmm. it did... I went back and listened to a few episodes from each period leading up to this podcast, and it sounds less like you and Chris are caught in your roles, though, now that you have time. Sometimes you're a little bit darker, and he's strangely yeah. <laughs> you know, strangely positive about something you might not expect him to be. Like, it feels like you two are more okay with maybe floating outside of your maybe roles, quote-unquote, on the show and just, you know, having a conversation. We're basically just listening in on you guys talking about something. Yeah. And I think that comes from us knowing each other so well. And also, I, I think one one thing that's that's pretty Im- important in all of this is that for years, years and years, we were doing the podcast sort of flying by the seat of our pants. And mm. it's amazing how well received it has been and how how consistent we were, because a lot of times I was doing it on at home on my own time, especially the editing. Mm. And uh, and I, for many years, was running all of the marketing at CD Baby. And this was just something I had been doing, you know, as a passion project early on that became popular. And so it was a part of what we do in the mix. But as far as my role was concerned, it always was taking a backseat to other things. And so if you look historically, you can see some time periods where there's some pretty big gaps between episodes. But then my role changed recently and basically now... My team is doing all the content marketing, which allowed us to do more time. Like, so we'll have a planning session now. We'll actually uh, write up an outline and talk through it and be more prepared, where a lot of it was like us just messaging each other back and forth on Thursday evening. Like, we got to record a podcast tomorrow. What do you want to talk about? Let's talk. Okay. I'll put together five bullets. It's done. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this that have that same process with their current co-hosts. So, I yeah. was going to ask about something else, Kevin, but you've brought up maybe something more important. You said that you were doing it in your own time, which I well, I was aware of. I'm not sure where I heard you say that, but that was a, for a very long run of the 15 years, regardless of your role at the time and how much influence maybe you had over marketing within internally. The podcast yeah. was not something you could always prioritize as the main thing you're going to do within your work hours. Yeah. Who did you first take the idea of the podcast to? And was it single managers or was it your direct manager? And what was their initial thoughts on it and how long? And this is not to throw anyone under the bus at all, but how long did it take for the company to realize the way you guys did that the podcast was touching your audience maybe more deeply than any other content the business had? Well, uh, that's a great question. Like I mentioned, I was just a podcast junkie and I already said how the idea kind of came about. And at that time, CD Baby was in full startup mode, different than kind of how people perceive startup mode now. But we were, the business was exploding and there was no marketing department. There was like bare bones staff and a warehouse, because that time our business, did, we were doing digital distribution for artists, but a, a big chunk of our business was selling CDs. We had a, a you know, store that sold CDs, and we would ship the CDs for artists, so they'd sign up, send us the product, and we'd do the fulfillment for them. Uh, so 
the I went to the original founder and his name's Derek Sivers. You know, he's got some books out there that have sold very well since after, you know, he's he moved on from CD Baby. But I went into his office and said, hey, I really want to start a podcast. Do I have your blessing to use CD Baby's name on it? And he's like, yes, go ahead. And, you know, he's he's kind of that person anyway. Uh, like, yeah, just go ahead, do it. Yeah. And so I started, I don't know if he thought I would actually do it. <laughs> I asked him if he yeah. would be a guest on the show, but he said he didn't want to be on any of the first episodes. He said, I want you to get in a rhythm first and, and start doing it, and then I'll be a guest at some point. By the way, I never had him on as a guest. Okay. Uh, but uh, he, he uh, so I started it, and, and you know, at that time, every, the, the, I don't hear the term anymore, but it used to be a common term about pod fading. So mm. it's like, oh, no, I it's went, still out there. Yeah, I, yeah. I went and uh, made sure that we didn't pod fade. So we created the uh, a sketch for the first 10 episodes. And I really was like, this is not just us screwing around one day. This is going to be a thing. Mm. And so, yeah, I got his permission. And when he sold the company, we still didn't have a marketing department. This was really the only marketing thing we had going on was that this podcast I was doing. And I think it, I think it single-handedly saved me from getting let go when the new owners took over. Well, we can't, throw, we can't fire him. He's the podcast guy. <laughs> yeah. and, and what was interesting is very quickly, I started getting asked to speak at music conferences and in colleges and things like that. So it was very evident that the podcast was reaching people. It was hard to quantify, you know, podcasts are still hard to quantify, but even back then there weren't really the tools to really get a good understanding of how many subscribers and reach you had that were reliable sources. But it was clear that it was doing well. And also at that time, the Apple was really starting to build out their podcast section. And because of we do digital distribution with them, they started featuring it on the homepage of their podcast section on iTunes quite regularly. And that was funny because we just guessed at what the email address was. We just emailed podcast at iTunes.com. <laughs> it happened to be the right email address. And they're like, oh yeah, we love CD Baby. And they get this big giant feature. And so that really early on just kicked things into to reaching audiences and clearly the tone and the vibe we were going for was working so you're listening to dead set podcasting and for that you're a dead set legend if you wanted to show some support to the show either in dollars or shares or positive vibes even just head over to deadsetpodcasting.com support and show josh some love Alrighty, let's get back to the podcast So that really early on just kicked things into to reaching audiences and clearly the tone and the vibe we were going for was working. So, yeah. So you did say earlier, Kevin, that you were producing a show and it might have been both your intention and also one of your then co-hosts was really into pretty highly produced radio programs that you were yeah. producing a pretty well-produced show, but also one with a bit of intention and it's a format, unlike even a lot of music business shows now, which are just loose and they sound pretty subpar a lot of the time. Like, they're still like that a lot of the time. At that time, a lot of people would be like, a lot of podcasts were like uh, some really terrible recording of like a mic sitting on a TV or on a table with all this ambient noise. And yeah, But it was long conversations and people loved it. And then 
then there was some really produced shows and we were trying to find a happy medium and some people, yeah, we couldn't, at that time it was like, some people, like, it's too produced. The other people were like, this sounds like garbage. I'm like, we can't use <laughs> Yeah. So as the show went on, you said before that it was basically the only marketing that the company was doing in a way. I guess the question remains, and I'm just trying to put my head, oh, sorry, my brain into the heads of the listener right now. Why did it take so long for you not to have to do that on your own time? Well, well, when we got bought, our new owners, there was so much opportunity that hadn't been gone after, even just regular marketing. And and we got bought by a company that was very good at direct marketing, company disc makers, and um, they were very good at direct marketing. So the focus was building that out. And also at that time, like things like social media were like, this social media thing's a fad or does it? (laughs) have any impact on businesses Mm. and at times based on various conversations podcasting could get lumped into that i mean i think there was like three waves of where i would see headlines of podcasting is dead you know this (laughs) is dead and i would always shake my head when i heard that i'm like whoever wrote that headline does not understand why people love podcasts so much yeah so it really was there was some bigger things to go after and that parent company brought in someone to start a marketing department and they moved me into that and I was the social person. But very quickly they started moving me up and that person left a year two later and then they basically said, you're going to run the marketing department. So I was just, my time was filled with a lot of other things, but I knew that it had so much value both for the company and also it was, it was, was a helpful tool for me to advanced my career within the industry and lots of people were starting to know who I was because of that podcast. That's excellent. Kind of what I was thinking. Do you think there's also an element that and something people don't always realize that if you're an artist by nature or a creative person that actually the act of making the podcast, particularly if you're doing that little bit of extra editing and production and all the adding the special source to things when you actually finally put it out to the world it can actually have that same kind of intrinsic benefit as possibly not like making a song because normally you're pouring your heart and soul into each and every song but there's that little chunk of intrinsic benefit of actually doing a podcast oh absolutely even if it's within a company i'm thinking it probably feels the same when you put it out that oh that's something i did and that's out there in the world now Oh, absolutely. Uh, And especially like when I was editing it, that's why, you know, there was a lot of Friday nights, Saturday afternoons where I was editing it, editing it. And I would take great care in editing it because I felt that way about it. And and over time, especially as it started to grow, we stopped using like bumper music that was native to Apple because like we for rights reasons, we should probably just, you know, we're a music company. We should not it was, you know, the rights around this is still, it's unknown territory at that time. (laughs) So I started writing a big, some music for the podcast. So historically, most of the music you hear is music I've written to be bumper music, to be music that, that, uh, plays the intro theme is, uh, an excerpt of a song that Chris, my co-host wrote years ago but most of the other music historically in the podcast is stuff I've written. There was a time period where 
the other person on the show, the Bolt, he's he wrote a bunch of bumper music as well. But most of the stuff historically you hear has been just music I've written because I'm like, hey, if I control the music, then there's no rights issues. <laughs> that's good and obviously that's a good thing to put out to the world considering your position in the industry (laughs) yes yes so uh, to wrap that thought up i was for me that also played a part into it of like my feeling like this was a a creative expression it wasn't just i blabbed on a mic for 45 minutes it was like i put this thing together i created this show it's got music i wrote and i would you know, go and inspire me to go write more music to provide different emotional elements and things like that. 